Welcome to episode two of the Casting Shadows podcast, an extension of the Casting Shadows blog, which can be found online at castingshadowsblog.com, or can be found in video form with a very different approach at YouTube under the name of Runeslinger. Today's episode is looking at another old blog post from the early days, but not very early days of the blog. The blog had evolved to the point where now people were reading it. (laughs) Not a lot of people, but good people. And there was interaction, and so it was good. Today's not recycled, but revived post is called Character Poisoning. And this is one of the most lasting concepts that have grown out of the blogging experience uh, for me and my interactions with other people, both newcomers and old hands over the years. This post comes from November 22nd of 2011. So let's get to it. In November, on the 22nd day of November of the year 2011, I struggled a bit to find the title for this piece. Finding the title really helped solidify everything I I felt about the observation. And also, interestingly, at least to me, has overwritten what I used to call this. I, I can't even remember Uh, And it doesn't exist in any of the drafts of this post. (laughs) There were a number of them. But anyway, here we go with a post from November 22nd, 2011, Character Poisoning. It opens up with what at the time was, you know, current event. We had just started a campaign. People who I had played with for years, who had played with each other for years, playing a game a new edition of a game that we had been playing for years. And we were finding that there were these these periods of dissatisfaction. There was this friction. There was this discomfort. And what was it coming from? Well, it was coming from character poisoning. And this happens a fair bit out there. So... Let's get into it. Character poisoning. Over the past few weeks, I have been observing a side effect of having a strong character concept, which I have not seen since the early days of White Wolf games. This side effect, the result of what on the surface seem to be player traits beneficial to good play, works in the background to erode fun and twist expectations until an intervention of some sort is necessary. Last year, I wrote an entry called Premature Imagination, which explores the same error, but only as it applies to action resolution. This entry will look at character realization and actualization through the filter of my character concept. Here's a note from the year 2020. 
Episode one of the Casting Shadows podcast explores that very entry that I just referenced, premature imagination. So if you're not sure what that's talking about, you can go back and look at episode one. You might consider letting me know why you would start with episode two instead. (laughs) So back to 2011. As gamers, when we choose to shift from running simple avatars to generating more complex characters, the games we play generally encourage us to delve deeply into all the little details of personality and personal history which frame the person we intend to portray. I emphasize the idea of person here, as I feel that a lot of players get caught up in not who a character is or how they think, but in what a character can do and by extension, must have done. And it is that latter point which can really spark issues in play. But both set a pattern of conception in motion that once play starts can work against the group rather than work for the characterization. And once this poisoned dose of discontent has wormed its way down the gullet of play, much agony and even death may ensue. So we had a little purple there at the end because, you know, even though now, at this point in history, the blog had readers, I was communicating with people and it was nice. (laughs) But even so, I was still playing with ways to make a point that might stick. Ways that I might not choose now or ways that, you know, have only grown more idiosyncratic since then. But as a note from 2020, when I refer to avatars in these posts, what that is, is a vehicle for the player to experience the setting of play, the situation of play, as themselves. So there is no intention or effort made in creating certain aspects of personality or outlook or whatever to use as a filter for making decisions or for guiding interactions. You are intending to interact as yourself in that place. You're being transported in a magical sense to the imaginary world. It's you. What I refer to as a character is when some effort has been made to make some sort of fictional personality that you're going to portray. All right, so let's go back to 2011. Meshing concept with mechanisms. Easily one of the most frustrating elements of RPG characters is discovering in play that something doesn't work like you thought it worked. The more important this element is to the character's concept the more unsatisfying and off-putting the experience of playing that character can be. Most GMs I have ever played with tend to allow a revision of the character in the first session or so, particularly if the game is new to the group or to the player or if that character brings rules or game elements into play which have not yet been touched upon. Trouble comes when it is not immediately obvious that a particular competency or trait is not capable of performance conducive to supporting the character concept. When a character has been in play for a while, it gets harder and harder to accept altering it for better performance. Mistakes are one thing. Growing dissatisfaction with a lack of cool 
or whatever, is quite another. To that end, running some tests of the mechanisms with the player and the sorts of encounters you both envision that character experiencing are a good first step prior to full-on play. Most groups want to just play, though, so without this period of exploration and experimentation, alternate means of addressing the issue tend to be necessary. With that in mind, it strikes me that the best route to take is to allow yourself the pleasure of discovering the competencies of the character in play, particularly in a new system, and focus your energies in character generation to the less tangible aspects of character, such as their outlook on life, their interests, the strength of their reactions, and their connections to other characters. Avoid things which exist entirely as die rolls and are intrinsically tied to resolution mechanisms. By stepping away from the train of expectations, you negate any chance for it to pulverize a character stalled on the tracks of linking concept and performance. Knowing your place. It can be very hard to assess at first if a game's PC generation system produces green characters, experienced characters, or, in the Firefly sense, big damn heroes. Even when the game comes out and tells you the relative strengths of character types, the first few runs will still be a process of learning to understand what these levels really mean in reality once the dice hit the table, or whatever other form of randomization are involved. Obviously, if you are running a vanilla version of a system, which produces beginner characters, and the player tries to create a living legend there'll be negative feedback in play. People hate it when living legends suck. Paying attention as a GM to the nascent character ideas and remembering to explore them with players rather than taking them at face value can save a lot of frustration later. As a player, paying attention to the game pitch and the tone and sample characters provided for comparison, if any, are two good ways, in addition to keeping lines of communication open with the GM, good ways of preventing the concept from expanding beyond the production capacity of the generation system. If you are set on creating an experienced PC when the GM and the game itself have geared up for beginners, you are headed for dissatisfaction. And that, of course, negates the whole point of playing. If, in play, you find yourself actively and vocally trying to reinforce or actually create a conception of your character in the other player's minds, this can be a hint that your concept has outstripped the ability of the system to reflect it, given the points or abilities allotted. You shouldn't have to tell the other players who your guy is. They should just be able to see it. Carts and horses. Backstory is important and helps bring a lot of character elements into cohesive focus, but a parade of accomplishments in the character's out-of-game past can often conspire to heavily fictionalize the character. This can cause concept inflation and again lead to a frustrating disconnect between how the player sees the character 
and how the game actually presents that character in conjunction with the GM's vision of the campaign and actual play of it. In my experience, players who derive the most pleasure from accomplishments their characters have achieved in-game and source their character concept in those accomplishments and the resulting consequences and reputation tend to be the players most satisfied by play. Players who try to force their vision of a character onto the events of the story and onto the system supporting the game tend to feel the most frustrated. And who needs that? In fiction and performance, the author and artist are able to craft fully realized characters and fully control the arc through which they travel, carefully shaping and presenting the perception of that character to the audience. RPGs, while arguably an art form, have a wider base of participatory players and two external filters, or audiences, the Game Master, the other players, and the system. These filters are what everything must pass through before it manifests in our fictionalized reality, or our fictional reality. As players, we have two choices, only one of which produces positive effects. We can choose to work with the engines that drive the game, or we can try pushing and pulling against them, gritting our teeth against the rising bile of frustration until it eventually chokes us. Okay, so this ends the presentation of the character poisoning blog post from 2011. What was I getting at? That we can get caught up in our desired imagination of a character, and this can create far too much distance and therefore dissonance between the character concept and what the system and the other players and possibly the underpinnings of why you agreed to play and what you agreed to play so that because of all of this distance and dissonance, because of this disconnection between what you're going to experience in play when the mechanisms of play are used, dissatisfaction is the only possible outcome. So, character poisoning, premature imagination, two things which seem to come up an awful lot still, nine and ten years later. What else comes up this frequently? Well, we'll talk about that in the next episode. And that episode will look at a post that called itself, Genre is Rule Zero. And I won't give away any more than that. Until then, take care. You have been listening to episode two on character poisoning of the Casting Shadows podcast, an extension of the Casting Shadows blog found at castingshadowsblog.com and an extension of the YouTube channel called Ruinslinger. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope, perhaps against hope, uh, 
that you're looking forward to the next installment, episode three. Until then, take care.